Well, good morning, Liberty. Uh, who's glad to be in church today? Well, I'm so glad that you're joining us at Hampton, at Harborview, at Greenbrier, at York River, at Smithfield, at Gloucester. Those who have met in the chapel, those who are joining us online. Maybe you've been traveling for the Thanksgiving holiday and weekend, but you're connecting with us today, and we're so glad that you're with us for this worship service. To the men and women in the United States military, happy Thanksgiving. We thank God for you. We pray for you. And to the men and women in the Virginia Department of Corrections, what a joy to bring all we are as a church to you through this worship service and small groups. Come on, everybody, every campus, put your hands together. Welcome all our guests. We have Christmas invites. It was my joy this week to be able to hand these out and to invite people to come. And what I love about it is this, uh, even though there are different times at different campuses, this one card works for every campus. So I was able to invite people in the Harborview area. I was able to invite people to Greenbrier who are at Chesapeake. And I want you to invite people to come. And uh, this year, Christmas Eve falls on a Sunday. So we'll have a Saturday night service, five o'clock everywhere. Sunday morning will be the normal hours for your campus. And then at three o'clock, everybody say three o'clock. Three o'clock, we will have a service. And I know on Christmas Eve, we normally have a three and a five, but since it's falling on Sunday and we want you to be with your families, we're only doing a three o'clock service. And those who traditionally go to a Christmas Eve service, I believe they'll either go Saturday night or they will go at three o'clock. Why? It's Christmas Eve. They're used to going at night on the way to grandma's house. They're not probably coming Sunday morning. So Sunday morning's for you. And the other services are for you to get your friends to come who will not come on Sunday morning. If you've got it, say, I got it. And so I want you to invite, invite, invite. And I want to say a word of gratitude uh, to our life team. We could not do what we do without you. And uh, you traditionally serve at three and at five every Christmas Eve. I know you'll be serving from Saturday night, Sunday morning, and then three o'clock this year. And so I want you to know your pastor loves you, and I thank you. And I can't think of a better way to honor the Lord as we celebrate his birthday than by serving him at one of these services. So thank you. Thank you in advance for your service. Today we start the Christmas series, and I invite you to take your Bibles. Turn with me to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 2. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 2. Uh, our theme verse is from Matthew 2, and it really focuses on adore him. It says, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of King Herod, wise men, magi from the east, arrived in Jerusalem saying, where is he who's been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star at the rising and have come to, everybody say this, worship him. Everybody say it. Worship him. It means adore him. That's our theme all throughout Christmas. Remember that Christmas is about worshiping Jesus. And it's about adoring him. And life doesn't make sense when Jesus is not in his rightful place. I think a great illustration is certainly nativity scenes. Miss Tammy has nativity scenes, ones that the children can play with. They're down low where they can grab them and touch them. And then we have them up on the table and you know those are looking at, don't break them. And, and you see them indoors, outdoors. But, but they all teach the Christmas story. And even though they all may be a little different, I want you to see what's in common in all of them. In fact, just look at some of these indoor uh, nativity sets here. 
They come in all shapes and sizes. They come in all cultures, but it doesn't matter. The order is always the same. They're set up the same way. Even the big outdoor ones. Jesus is always in the center. And I'm telling you, the problems that we encounter in life, we often bring on ourselves when Jesus is not in the rightful place in your life, when he doesn't have the center of your life. And, and a lot of times, uh, we focus on the other elements in the nativity scene. And today, I'm going to talk about the wise men. And I've got a, a set here of just the wise men on my table uh, I'd have to have a bigger table to have the whole set. And I want you to know, a lot of times, we put the wise men in the center because they're, they're the tallest, right? They're the biggest. And I mean, they're majestic, they're beautiful. A lot of times, they're pictured as kings. We three kings of Orient are. And uh, sometimes they have turbans. Sometimes they, they, they usually always have beautiful robes and they bring gold and frankincense and myrrh. So it's really easy to put the wise men in the center and Jesus kind of gets lost. He's pushed in the background. He's pushed over to the side and that may be where you are. Jesus gets an hour on Sunday morning but he's at the center of your life during the week. Are y'all getting anything out of this sermon? I mean, maybe Jesus is in your life but he's pushed over to the side. He's pushed way in the back and the focus is on someone or something else. I'm just telling you that the, the wise men represent gold, frankincense, and myrrh, so they represent wealth. I mean, they're certainly wealthy individuals if they're bringing gold for a baby gift. We don't get too many gold bars in the offering plate, okay? I'm just telling you. Now, it's fine if you'd like to do that, but I'm just saying, we don't get that very often. So we know that they're wealthy. They're wise men, so, so a lot of times, it, they represent wealth, they represent education, wisdom, understanding. Uh, they, they represent, I, I believe, success, fame. But all of those things come up short. I mean, you can pursue education, I hope that you do, but it'll, it will not satisfy the longing of your heart. God created us with eternity in our heart. And, and so money will not satisfy. Education will not satisfy. I'm telling you, earthly relationships cannot satisfy the longing in your heart. Uh, listen, sooner or later, your favorite team will let you down. Okay? And, and, and so nothing else satisfies but Jesus. And he has to be the center of our lives. And he came for the rich. We see it in the wise men. He came for the poor. Next week will be about the shepherds. He's the Savior of the world. Can I have an amen? So what are you searching for? What are you living for? It can't be money. It can't be achievement. It can't be fame. The Bible says wealth is uncertain. Here today, gone tomorrow. And so I, I'm telling you, people go in debt, spending money they don't have. Listen, buying things they don't need to impress people they don't even like. Come on, somebody. Nothing wrong with having money. Uh, you have to have it to survive, but money can't have you. Have you ever searched for something and it wasn't in its rightful place? Maybe, ladies, you got ready to, you know, prepare for the Thanksgiving meal and, you, the, the, you know, the pot you were looking for, the pan, the dish, you know, the kitchen utensil was not in its rightful place. 
I looked for something yesterday and I always put it in my backpack in the same place. I went there, it wasn't there. I looked at all the other compartments in my backpack, it wasn't there. It was not in its rightful place. And the wise men help us keep Jesus in the right place. They teach us how to adore him. Their story that we're gonna read today from Matthew 2 shows us how to adore him, how to worship him. It's easy, it comes straight from the text. Number one, they seek after him. Are you seeking after God? I want you to make this personal today. Look at the story, Matthew 2, verse one again, and Jesus was born after he was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of King Herod. Wise men from the east arrived in Jerusalem. They said, where is he? They're searching. Where is he? Who's been born king of the Jews. For we saw his star at its rising and have come to, everybody say it, worship him. Now, who are these wise men? They studied the heavenly bodies. They studied the movement of the stars. They're called magi. It's where we get the word magic from, all right? So they're kind of superstitious. They're into magic. They're studying the zodiac. They're studying the constellations. Uh, In fact, if you were reading in your one-year Bible today in the book of Daniel, King Nebuchadnezzar called the wise men, the astrologers, the enchanters, the magicians, all those words you see right there talking about the same group of people that we're studying today. And so uh, they were religious, but they didn't know the one true and living God. A lot of people are like that today. But you know the great thing about our God, he'll meet you where you are. They're studying the stars, so God just reveals himself through a star. And I tell you, God will meet you where you are today, whatever's going on in your life. He knows it, and he will meet you right where you are. They were sincerely seeking God, searching. And if you are sincerely searching for God, uh, you're in good company. Uh, I, I love uh, what it says here, that they were, they were looking for God, They've seen his star. How'd they know about the star? Remember Daniel was put over the wise men and Daniel knew the Old Testament scriptures and obviously he left his influence there. And in the book of Numbers, just make a note of this, Numbers 24, 17, Moses wrote what the prophet said. The prophet said, I see him, but not now. It's in the distance, it's coming. I perceive him, but not near, all right? Later on, there's gonna be a, everybody say it, star. A star will come from Jacob and a scepter will arise from Israel. And so God used the scriptures there to to guide them to be looking for this star. Now, the wise men traveled a great distance. They they come from somewhere in Arabia. Uh, They overcame great difficulty. They didn't have interstates back then. They didn't have airplanes, automobiles. Uh, that, that they did not have trains. So it was not an easy trip at all. And they overcame great danger. Not only robbers out there along the way but the, and, and, and wild animals, but the danger of Herod. They go to King Herod searching for the new king. Now that'll get you killed. Herod was so paranoid, he killed his favorite wife. Now if you're gonna kill one, kill the one you don't like, Amen. He killed his favorite wife, the one he loved the most. He killed his sons. He killed his mother. He put the babies, the baby boys, 
two years of age and under to death. And then at his death, he had prominent citizens put to death so there would be mourning when he died. You know, in in, in this day and time, we we know what a storm chaser is. They they chase tornadoes. They chase storms. Listen, the wise men, they're, they're not storm chasers. They're star chasers. And they're following the star. And and I want you to know here that Jeremiah wrote, I love this verse, Jeremiah 29, 13, you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. That's what the wise men are doing. And they were rewarded by finding Jesus at the end of their journey. Let me tell you, uh, until you get to the place you adore him, are you awake? Say amen. Until you get to the place that you adore him, you're gonna continue to search because nothing else satisfies You may be saying, well, I tried church before and it didn't work for me. You gotta get beyond trying church. You gotta get beyond religion to the real thing. Don't let religion keep you from the real thing. Look at verse three. When King Herod heard this, he was deeply disturbed. Why? He's got room for no other king in his life. And all Jerusalem with him. I I can tell you why they're upset because when he's disturbed, people die. So he assembled all the chief priests and scribes. These are the religious leaders, teachers, uh, professors of the day. And he asked them where the Messiah would be born. I mean, just like that. They knew the answer. They knew the biblical answer. They said, in Bethlehem of Judea, because this is what was written by the prophet. Now, I want you to get this. They had theology in their head but they didn't have God in their heart. A lot of people are the same way. They know about God, but they don't know God. They knew the right answer, but they didn't go to Bethlehem to look for him because they're not worshiping him. They're not adoring him. They're not seeking after God. Well, the wise men discovered that they're in the wrong place. They went to Jerusalem. They need to be in Bethlehem. I think that the um, scribes and Pharisees remind us that the scriptures are needed in order to worship God. If you're going to adore him, you're going to get in his word. You're going to find out more about him. And so the scriptures are needed in order for us to worship God. You know, God has given general revelation. The heavens declare the glory of God. The star appeared in the heavens. But more than that, that's what the prophets have written. There is special revelation The Bible is the inspired, God-breathed word. You can't know the living word apart from the written word. And so there are people today, you know them, you've met them. They know this book. They can quote this book. Let me tell you, the devil and demons can quote this book. And so I'm saying to you, there are those who know this book, have Bible knowledge, they can quote verses, they have a Bible in their hand but they do not have the God who accompanies this book in their heart. And so I ask you, do you know the one true and living God, the one that this book is all about? Look back at verse seven. Then Herod secretly summoned the wise men. He asked them the exact time, that's important, that the star appeared. When did the star appear? He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go search carefully for the child. And when you find him, report back to me so I too can go and worship him. Liar, liar, pants on fire. I'm just telling you, he had no desire to worship Jesus. He's saying the right things, but he didn't do the right things. 
He had no room for another king in his life. So many people today, they are the master of their fate. They're the captain of their soul. Their theme song is, I did it my way. The question is, is Jesus the king, the Lord of your life? Well, they teach us how to adore him. How do you do it? They seek after him. Number two, they bow before him. It's right in the text. Look at verse nine. After hearing the king, they went on their way. And there it was, the star that appeared in the beginning that disappeared has now appeared again, all right? The star they had seen at its rising, it led them until it came and stopped above the place where the child was. We're not talking about a baby, we're talking about a child. When they saw the star, they were overwhelmed with joy. I love that phrase, overwhelmed with joy. And entering the stable, is that what it said? No, the house. They saw the child with Mary, his mother, and falling to their knees. They adore him. They worship him. Several things you got to point out here. First of all, they went to a house, not the stable. All right? He wanted to know the exact time that the star appeared. And based on that, he killed all the baby boys two years of age and under. So Jesus was a child. He's a toddler. He's probably a year old. Maybe Herod was hedging, saying, I'm going to make sure I get him killed, two and under. Maybe he was close to two. But he's somewhere in that age group. He's a toddler. You say, well, man, that messes up my Christmas nativity. Listen, don't sweat the little things. All right? Don't get bent out of shape out of it. When did they start following the star? The night Jesus was born. So the wise men are very much a part of the Christmas story. I'm glad they're in the nativity set. You just have to understand, the shepherds didn't show up for visiting hours at the hospital stable, you know, at two o'clock, and these guys arrive at four. You just gotta know they didn't arrive at the same time. But they started their journey then, and then later, they appear. Another thing I would point out to you is this. Joseph's not mentioned. They found Mary and the child. You say, where was he? Listen, guys, you know how it is. When the child comes, you out of the picture. No, seriously, he's out there making a living. He's working. He's at the carpenter shop, all right? And then it says here, they fall to their knees and worship Mary. Is that what it says? No, it says they worship him. They worship Jesus. We don't worship Mary. We worship Jesus. Even Mary said she worshiped Jesus. In Luke chapter one, she said, praise God, my Savior, my Savior. Mary needed a Savior just like we need a Savior. She knew who Jesus was. So you do not come to adore him. You do not come before God as an arrogant scientist or an arrogant professor of religion like the scribes and Pharisees, you come as a humble worshiper. The Bible says, humble yourself before the mighty hand of God. He resists the proud. We read it today in our one-year Bible. He resists the proud. He gives grace to the humble. That's the only way you can come to God. And listen, every day you humble yourself before God, and if you don't, God will gladly do it for you. There's only one king. It's not you, it's not me. We adore him. We worship him. That's what the English word worship means, worth-ship. 
He's the only one worthy. The song, oh, come let us adore him, Christ the Lord, for he alone is worthy. That's the message we see here. Well, they teach us how to worship. First of all, you come with overwhelming joy. That's the way we enter. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. There are a lot of expressions of worship in the Bible. You know, clap your hands, all ye people. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. That's why we do the clap down at the beginning. We lift up holy hands before the Lord. We shout unto God. We, we sing about it. We shout unto God with a voice of triumph. You know, there's joy in the house of the Lord. And that's why we come. But then we move to a place where we fall on our knees and we worship him. We move to a place you know, it's interesting here. I love every expression of worship in the Bible. Hand clapping, hand raising, shouting unto God. I love it. It's, it's biblical. But when they came to Jesus, they bowed before him. And, and so I want you to know that worship is the only proper response that we bow to him as King of kings and Lord of lords. Have you got it? Say, I got it. Now, everyone worships something. You're on a spiritual journey whether you know it or not. God put eternity in our hearts, but God has a no-compete clause. No other gods except me. And yet you know and I know that every day, idols and the gods of this world compete for the throne of our life. It may be bank accounts, it may be credit cards, it may be search engines, it may be computers or smartphones, it may be a calendar, but you know what it is in your life. See, what... What you love is what you spend your time doing, all right? If you're going to worship and adore something, you, you spend time doing it, and you, and you love it. And, and so you know what it is in your life. And so I'm going to give you an example. It's just a personal example. I'm not saying you have to do this. But uh, the guys, we have a fob if you're on staff, and, and, the, and, and mine says, I'm pastor, it'll open any door, all right? And, and it says, it's supposed to say your name. When you just hold it up, it says your name. They know who's entering and they know where you're at and they know when you leave. But they, they did something neat for me because they know their pastor is a big Georgia Bulldog fan. And so they made mine say, go dogs. So every door I came in, go dogs, go dogs, go dogs, go dogs. I loved it too much. God convicted me. I went and asked him. I said, guys, I appreciate it. I said, but I gotta ask you to change it. I want you to change it to glory to God. I want every door I walk through at the house of God to say all glory to God, all glory to God, all glory to God. That's the way I keep it in check in my life. Uh, I remember when I pastored almost 20 years in Arkansas, there was a building or two there before I got there and it had the pastor's name on it. I couldn't wait to get my name on one of those buildings. God enabled me to stay there longer than anybody else. So God enabled us to build more buildings than anybody before us. And you know what? God wouldn't let me put my name on any of it. If you go back there right now, you won't find my name anywhere. No, where? You go to any of our campuses right now, you don't see my name on a building. If you go to the office of any staff member of this church, you see their name outside that door except pastor. My name's not on the door. It just says Pastor. It's a remind, and I'm, again, I'm not saying it's wrong to do that. I'm just telling you, this is what I do to remind myself it's not about me. It's all about him. Adore him. Worship him. Well, here's what I want you to see here. They are, they're bowing before him. 
And the Bible says that one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And so here's my practice. I want to encourage you. If you're physically able to get down on your knees, just in your private time with God, get on your knees before him. I get up every day and make coffee. I go to my chair, the place I meet with God. I get on my knees. I thank him for a good night's sleep. I enter his gates with thanksgiving. I just start counting my blessings. Sometimes I pray through the 23rd Psalm. Sometimes I pray through the tabernacle prayer. Sometimes I go through the Lord's prayer. It's like 21 days, except it's just me and God. But I always get on my knees and confess Jesus is Lord. So on that day, when every knee will bow and every tongue confess, on that day, I'll be doing what I've done every day of my life. And, and so I, God gave me this. I want you to write it down. More than a distant event, make it a daily experience. More than a distant event, make it a daily experience. Bow down and surrender all to him. And then that's the third thing that they did. All right? They seek after him. They bow before him and they give their best to him. Look at how it ends here in verse 11. Then they open their treasures and presented him with gifts of what? Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now, they gave. They said, I'm all in. I'm not just playing church. And I noticed this. This is so important. If you're awake, say amen. They didn't let their disappointment affect their giving. You ever been disappointed with God? Sure you have. And if you don't admit that, then you're lying. We all get disappointed. Maybe you got a, a report about your health and, and, and it was a disappointing report. Maybe, maybe education, wise men, you, you didn't get the degree. You didn't finish your degree. You didn't get to go to the college you wanted to. Uh, maybe it's wealth. You don't have the money that you would like to have. We all get disappointed in life. How do you handle your disappointments? It may be in relationships. It may be a relationship you never had. Some of you are disappointed because you've never been married. Some of you are disappointed in your marriage. Some of you are disappointed you never had kids. Some of you are disappointed in your kids. When they're little, they step on your toes. When they get older, they step on your heart. Maybe you're disappointed in your job, your career. You dread to get up and go to work every day. It's not what you dreamed it would be, thought it would be. I don't know what your disappointment is, but I ask you, how do you handle your disappointments? They teach us how. They get to Jerusalem. They bring all these extravagant gifts to give the new king and he's not in a palace. He's not even in Jerusalem. He's in a stable with animals in some town called Bethlehem. And you know what? Number one, they just kept looking for God. Whatever you're disappointed in, keep looking for God. He's there. I said, he's there. Listen, our disappointments are his appointments. Keep looking for God and keep giving him your best. Keep giving him your best. Keep giving him your best. Well, we see here that they, they go and they worship him. Now, singing's a part of worship. Bowing, we've read, is a part of worship. Giving's always a part of worship. And, and the Christmas carol is we three kings of Orient are. We don't know how many there were. There are probably more than three. And they certainly had an entourage with them. All right? But we say we three kings because they brought three gifts. And I, every year, I always tell you, make sure that you pray about giving these three gifts to Jesus. I always ask you to pray about a gift to the general budget, to the big give, and global missions. This is our Jerusalem. That's our Judea and Samaria. And this is our ends of the earth, okay? The general budget, that's our Jerusalem. Uh, just 
look at what God blessed you with. And the Bible says that on the first day of the week that they brought as God prospered them. You go from Abraham all the way through the Bible and you see they gave where they worshiped. People say, where do I tithe? Where do I give? Well, in the Bible, it was where they worshiped. And so just look and see that you've given at least a tenth to your local church. And people say, well, what's a tenth? What's a tithe? I mean, people ask this all the time. I think this is a great illustration for children, but I think probably adults get more out of it. Here it is. When God gives you 10 of these, a tenth, a tithe, as you give him the first one. And you get to keep these. He's a good God. He just wants you to, to know he's first. He's the one that provided it all. Can I have an amen? All right. And then the, the, the big give. What's the big give? The, the big give is the way that we fund campus development. There will never be campuses developed like Smithfield or at Gloucester unless we have the big give every year. The school of ministry, I feel the responsibility of raising the money every year because it's not in the budget to be able to house and keep these residents for one year. You know, it blessed me and I think blessed the work if somebody just wanted to endow it one day, hallelujah, and then the school of ministry would go on. I wouldn't have to raise money for it every year. We endow all the other schools, secular schools, amen, you know? Hey, and then uh, 757 Strong, that's our, our local missions. That, that's Spanish ministry. That's correctional facility. And, and so our Jerusalem, our Judea, Samaria, and then the ends of the earth. And let me tell you what your offering did last year. First of all, the global mission offering, we call it the Lot of Moon Christmas offering, 100% goes to the mission field. We keep nothing here. It supports 3,521 missionaries, and they engaged here 67 new people groups, people who had never heard the name of Jesus. That's what happened this past year. 728,589 people heard the gospel through those missionaries. 21,231 new churches were planted. 178,177 new believers and 102,417 of them got baptized. Let's give Jesus all the praise. Amen? It's incredible. So our eternal investment is really doing good. And we're excited to be a part of it. And I just ask that you pray about the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. And it's named after Lottie Moon. And I wanted to find her burial site. I knew she was born and buried in Virginia. And I'd never seen it. And I knew it was around Crew, Virginia. So I wanted to go over and find it. And I just Googled it. I put it in my phone. Smartphones are smart. I put it in my phone. I just said, uh, grave site of... Missionary Lottie Moon, boom, took me right to it. Got out there in the cemetery. I still didn't know where I was going. I'm just following the dot. I found the, the gravesite. Tammy and I got a picture. Faithful unto death, Lottie Moon. She was born December the 12th, 1840, and she died on Christmas Eve, December 24th, 1912. 40 years she served in China. Let me tell you, she was one of the few women in America in the 1800s who got a master's degree right here in Virginia. And then she had a marriage proposal that she turned down. She gave up everything, left family, home for 40 years. She served as a missionary in China. Her assistant found her weighing 50 pounds. She was giving away her food rather than eating to the Chinese people who were starving. And she came home, and as I told you, she died on Christmas Eve. Now here it is. She gave her all. She was faithful unto death. That's the way we want to be found. Faithful unto death. I'm just saying you don't give God your leftovers. We don't give him our spare change. 
We don't give him our spare time. We give him our best. We make sure he's first. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. I want to think about it for a moment. Gold is a gift fit for a king. And then you, you see who Jesus is in the gifts. Gold, he's, he's a king. And then frankincense. A frankincense was used when they would offer up incense, prayers. So he's a priest. He's king of kings and Lord of lords. He's our high priest making intercession for us, praying for us. Priests were anointed with a combination of oil and frankincense. And then myrrh. Myrrh shows that he's the savior of the world. Myrrh's what they embalmed with, prepared a body for burial. Jesus is the baby born to die for your sin, my sin, the sin of the world. I want you to see here how the story ends in verse 12 and being warned in a dream not to go back to Herod they returned to their own country by another route so I want you to think about that God guided them you need guidance every day God protected them warned them you need not only guidance you need direction and protection can I have an amen and then they left another way and I know that means that they took another route but they left changed. They didn't leave the same way they came. And I think it's a lesson for us that when we adore him and worship him, that we leave changed. So I ask you, what's this at the center of your life? You know, when life's broken, you go back to the one who made it. Uh, Tammy and I had a vacuum cleaner that we really liked. It was light, you could use it, and just floor, carpet, anything. I liked my little vacuum cleaner. But then it stopped working. You know what I did? I called the people who made it. And I said, it's not working. And they did the great exchange. They said, you box it up, send it back to us. I sent them the broken one. They sent me a new one. That's what God will do with your life. He'll take your broken life and all the broken pieces, and he'll give you new life. He'll give you a new birth. He'll give you a new beginning. Come on, somebody. Put your hands together and praise God. I ask you, have you been searching and have you come up short, come up empty? I want you right now, wherever you are, just bow with me. Just bow before him. And pray something like this. If you're at one of our campuses, you're online, maybe you're in a correctional facility, just pray something like this. Just say, Jesus, I bow the knee of my heart to you. I give you my life. Be my Lord and my Savior, I give you everything. Change me. Help me to be different, to live a different way. Forgive me of all of my sins. Save me. I believe that you died on the cross to pay for all of my sins and that you rose from the dead to give me life. I surrender all to you. King Jesus. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. Can we rejoice with those who prayed that prayer? And we'd love to hear from you. If you're at our campus, take the red card, fill it out, drop it in the offering uh, basket when you leave, or better yet, take it to the Next Step Center. Or if you're online, just text the word yes to 40371. And many of you, you're already a believer. You need to take your next step. You can just text baptized to 40371, or write that on your red card that you're turning in, and Take your next step. But I envision this moment a little different. 
I said, okay, Lord, how can we apply the message? Now, just stay with me. What good is a sermon if you don't put it into practice? So I think the first way that we apply this message is this. Seek him. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these other things will fall into place when he's in his rightful place. Seek him. And then I would say pray about giving him your best, whatever that is. Whatever your best and extravagant is for you. And, and some of you, you can do it today. Give your gift to the big give or to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. Some of you, you need to go home, pray about it. Do it next Sunday, first Sunday of December. Make sure you do it before December 31st, okay? How do you put this into practice? And then you bow before him. If you're physically able, I'm gonna ask you just to, to stand and either come to the altar and bow. Maybe if you have room, you can just bow right there, but just stand every campus location. I'm gonna ask you, to put it into practice, let's adore him by bowing before him. Make that place where you're watching an altar of prayer and just, just bow. Just bow before him. And if you can do it where you are, that's great. Probably at most of our campuses you can't because not enough space in the, in the chairs and rows and so just come to the altar. This Christmas, we're gonna adore you. We're gonna put you first. We're gonna give you your rightful place, Jesus. That's what we're saying. And whatever your need is, whatever problems in your life, whatever's burdened you, whatever disappointment, take it to him. See him in it. Keep looking for him. Keep giving him your best. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come just saying, here I am to worship. Here I am to bow down. Here I am to say that you're my God. You're altogether lovely, altogether worthy, altogether wonderful. And we worship the one who's the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Lord, would you speak peace to the chaos in this world? Thank you that last week we prayed for hostages to be set free and we saw them set free this week. We just say thank you. And Lord, there are others that need to be set free. And Lord, spiritually, there are those who need to be set free right now. Lord, something is holding them captive. Break the strongholds of sin. Lord, I pray whatever it is in our lives that, that take your place, that Lord, we'll make sure that you are first, that you're in the, the center of our lives. And right now on our knees, we cry out with all of creation. We know if we don't praise you, the rocks will cry out. Lord, we, we, we join not only with creation, but the angels and that great cloud of witnesses. And we say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was, who is, and is to come. Thank you, Jesus, that you not only came the first time, you're coming again. And Lord, we want to be found faithful. We want you to have the rightful place in our lives. And so I, I pray right now that we'll be like the ancient wise men, the magi, and that we will bow before you, worship you, give you everything, and that, Lord, you'll be enthroned on our praises. We love you. We bless you. Lord, I pray that we'll sense your presence right now as we bow before you in Jesus' name. Amen.